Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Lahul Hamdul Hasan Wathanaul Jamil Wa Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah Yaqulul haqqa wa huwa yahdi sabil Wa Ashadu anna Sayyidina wa Nabiyyana Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa tabi'in lahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddin amma ba'd My beloved brothers and sisters Before I start I wanted to say something, inshallah ta'ala. What I wanted to say, inshallah ta'ala, is, as you all know, you've come here to seek knowledge. When others have chosen to sleep and to do what fulfills their desires, you've chosen to seek knowledge and to gain the understanding of the religion of Allah Azza wa Jal. And this comes with a reward. This itself comes with great reward. Our Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ فِيهِ عِلْمًا سَهَّلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ طَرِيقًا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ Anyone who takes a path to gain knowledge, to understand the religion of Allah, he took that path. Allah will give him a path to Jannah. The path that you came with, what Allah is going to give you in Return is a path to Jannah. And that is what each and every single believer wants. Isn't that the case? So whenever you feel tired, or you don't feel motivated to gain knowledge, remember that message. That the path that you're on is the path to Jannah. And then the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he carried on in that same hadith and he said, وَإِنَّ الْمَلَائِكَةَ لَتَضَعُ أَجْنِحَتَهَا لِطَالِبِ الْعِلْمِ رِضًا بِمَا يَصْنَعَ The angels, they place their wings over the student of knowledge because the angels are pleased with what you're looking for, what you're trying to seek. لَهُ مُعَقِّبَاتٌ مِّن بَيْنِ يَدَيْهِ وَمِنْ خَلْفِي يَحْفَظُونَهُ مِنْ أَمْرِ اللَّهِ You're being protected. Allah sent angels down to protect you. And that's not it, brothers. The Messenger sallallahu carried on saying, وَإِنَّ الْمَلَائِكَةَ لَتَضَعُ أَجْنِحَتِهَا لِطَالِبِ الْعِلْمِ رِضًا بِمَا يَصْنَعَ The Prophet went on to say, the angels, the creatures on this earth, they ask Allah's forgiveness for the student of knowledge, حَتَّى الْحِيْتَانُ فِي جَوْفِ الْمَاءِ even the fishes in the middle of the ocean, they ask Allah's forgiveness for the person who's seeking knowledge. What you're looking for is the inheritance of the Messenger وسلم, What you're trying to take is the inheritance of the Messenger وسلم, If your father died, if your mother died, if your children died, and they left behind a lot of money, Wallahi, you would not miss that gathering where that money is being distributed. You will make sure that you're there to take your portion. Isn't that the case? How is it possible that you know there is a gathering where the messenger, messenger his inheritance is being distributed and you may choose not to come? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he rebuked a people. He spoke against them who have the knowledge of this world, 
They know the dunya. They know how to work. They know how to make money. They are professionals. But they are ignorant about the hereafter. Allah said about them, يَعْلَمُونَ ظَاهِرًا مِنَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ عَنِ الْآخِرَةِ غَافِلُونَ They know the dunya very well, but they don't know the hereafter. It's not a good thing that you're so concerned about your daily income, your money, and you go for training. You try to go up the ladder in your job, promotion. How much more money can I make? Do I need more training? But when it comes to the knowledge of the deen, you take the back seat. Do I really need to learn this? Maybe, maybe this is trivial, I don't need to know this. But the dunya, you learn everything because you believe it's beneficial. But the deen of Allah, it's very important brothers. Learn Allah's religion. Wallahi brothers, we, Allah tells us in the Quran, we came to this world today that we're in. This dunya that we're in, we're here for two reasons only. Every single thing that we do, it has to serve these two. Everything we do, it has to serve these two. Pay attention. The first one that Allah mentioned subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ilm, knowledge. You and I were brought into this world to have knowledge. Allah said in the Quran, Allahu alladhi khalaqa sab'a samawatin wa min al-ardi mithlahunna yatanazzalu al-amru baynahunna lita'alamu lita'alamu anna Allah ala kulli shay'in qadir wa anna Allah qad ahata bi kulli shay'in ilma Allah is saying I created the seven heavens I created this uh, the seven earth I created what is between it so you can have knowledge of my ability Allah so Allah created the seven heavens Allah created the seven earth and everything between it لِتَعْلَمُوا so you can have knowledge are we not between the, the seven heavens and the earth why did Allah create us لِتَعْلَمُوا so you can have knowledge number one you were created to have knowledge then knowledge of who Allah is saying knowledge of my ability and who I am the second is al-amal action this is the one that majority of the people know and Allah mentions in Surah Al-Dhariyat I did not create the jinn or the ins except to worship me al-amal the knowledge that you gained is now manifesting it's showing on your limbs those are the gaya, the objective of your existence in this world it is not so you have a good job it is not for you to drive a nice car you're not in this world to be a project manager or to have a good nine-to-five job your job has to serve these two purposes you make money so you can eat and you can gain Islamic knowledge that's why you go work you work and you make money so you can implement the religion of Allah that is what it should do for each and every one of us so think about that all the time and the pious predecessors Salafu Hadil Ummah Sahabatu Rasulillah the Tabi'een and the Tabi'een Tabi'u Tabi'een they understood that 
And that is what they lived by. And you know what Allah did for them? Allah gave them Mashariq al-Ardu wa Magharibiha. The east and the west, they were controlling it. These were Bedouins. They were wearing flip-flops. They were wearing two cloths. When they went to the Roman Empire and they went to the Persian Empire, they didn't know how to open the castles and the palaces. A Bedouin man, he came to the Roman leader to give him a letter. He has a stick and he has a donkey. Omar sent him. He's coming to the Roman Empire. He took his stick. This is the palace of who? The Roman Empire. He took, takes his stick and he punches it on the earth. It's a carpet by the own Roman Empire. Cost so much money, but he doesn't know it, so he keeps punching it on the floor. The Roman Empire is like, who are you? What do you want? It's a Bedouin. But what did he do? Did he know the dunya? Did he know how this world? No. He only knew al-ilm wal-amal. And Allah sent the messengers for that. Huwallahi arsala rasulahu bilhuda. Al-huda, the scholars they said, is al-ilm al-nafi'. Allah sent the messengers for this. Huwallahi arsala rasulahu bilhuda. Wadin al-haq is al-amal al-salih. Al-amal al-salih, righteous actions. Nabiullah Muhammad, he came to accomplish that. And he came to spread that beneficial knowledge and righteous actions. That's just a muqaddimah, an introduction that I wanted to give inshallah ta'ala before we go into the lesson. Today inshallah ta'ala, in our explanation in the muqaddimah, in aqidah, we're going to talk about al-qawa'id, which is principles. And we're going to speak about al-usul, which are foundations pertaining to the manhaj ahl sunnati wal jama'ah, the methodology. of Ahl-Sunnah. Principles that we need to understand and fundamental points regarding the methodology of Ahl-Sunnah wal Jama'ah. These are foundations. You need to memorize them and you need to know them. The first Qa'ida, Al-Qa'ida Al-Ula, The first qa'ida, the first principle that you need to understand is anna masdar al-aqidah. Huwa al-kitabu. Wa sunnah the first qa'ida, first principle that we need to understand that the methodology, the aqidah and the mu'taqad, the belief of Ahl Sunnah is built on and the masdar al-aqidah, the source where we take our aqidah from, 
is number one, Al-Kitab. Number two, As-Sunnah. As-Sahihah, the authentic Sunnah. And number three, Al-Ijma'ah. The Kitab of Allah is where we take our Aqeedah from. We take our Aqeedah from the authentic Sunnah. Okay? The authentic Sunnah, the Sunnah that's Sahih, authentic. And the what? Al-Ijma'ah, consent. Masdar al-Aqeedah, the source. Masdar means what? Source. Where Aqeedah is taken from. Where is Aqeedah taken from? Al-Kitab, the book of Allah. Wa-Sunnah al-Sahihah, the authentic Sunnah. And Ijma'ah, this is Ahlul Sunnah. What leaves? Ahlul Sunnah do not take their Aqeedah from Aqal. Logic. They don't. Aqeedah is textual. Aqeedah is what? La majala lirra'ifihi. It's textual. No logic comes into place. Knowing Allah and the hereafter and the ghaybiyyat, the unseen, it doesn't have place for any logic. It's textual. Are we all together? Based on nakal. Good. So we'll speak on this more inshallah later. Also, it doesn't come from a dhawq. A dhawq means senses. Manamat, dreams. Aqid is not taken from that. And it's not taken from what? A dhawq. This is what it feels like. This is how I feel it is. Well, this is senses. Aqid is not taken from politics, a siyasa. Siyasa and politics, Aqid is not taken from that. that. Because this is the political reality that's taking place around the world, because of that we need to believe this. No. Aqid is textual. We also take it from the kitab and the sunnah. The sunnah. Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe whether it's mutawatir. Mutawatir means if it's multitude narration or whether it is ahad, few in narration. The lumber is little, it doesn't matter. Aqeed is still built, built on that. Whether the people who transmitted, who narrated this hadith to us are little in number or they are large in number, it doesn't matter. We still take it. If it meets, if it meets the condition of authenticity, as long as it's authentic, are we all together? An ijma'ah. An ijma'ah means what? Consensus. The consensus is a source of what? I'tiqad for us. Allah says in the Quran, وَمَن يُشَاقِقِ الرَّسُولَ مِن بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى وَيَتَّبِعَ غَيْرَ السَّبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّى وَنُسْلِهِ جَهَنَّمَ وَسَاءَتْ مَصِيرًا Allah says subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَمَن يُشَاقِقِ الرَّسُولَ Anyone who goes against the Prophet's path, he deviates from the Prophet's path. 
ومن يشاقق الرسول من بعد ما تبين له الهدى after guidance comes to him and then look what Allah said after that ويتبعن he follows غير سبيل المؤمنين other than the path of the believers he follows other than the path of the believers who were the believers when this ayah came down at that time Sahabatu Rasulillah the companions so Allah said going against the Prophet's path and going against the path of who? the Sahabas is number one but not only them it says believers this is where Ijma'ah comes from we can't go against the path of the believers does that make sense? when the Ummah unanimously agree on something the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith Imam Tirmidhi narrated in hadith Ibn Umarin he said لا تجتمع أمتي على ضلالة my Ummah will not come together on misguidance it's impossible do you believe this Ummah that love to disunite that love to disunite that love to differ they're going to unite on something what does it show you if they unite what does that show you that they believe it this is what it is does that make sense so the unity of the ummah on something is an indication that it's haq because the ummah won't are we all together the prophet said La ummati. my ummah will not unite upon misguidance now i am not speaking about majority no 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 there's a difference between the majority and there's a difference between consensus okay majority can be wrong and the minority is right in islam are you with me it's not the issue of majority and minority are you with me rather the quran shows that the minority is majority of the times right وَقَلِيلٌ مِنْ عِبَادِيَ الشَّكُورِ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ So the Quran does show that the majority is not necessarily the right way always. So there's a difference between ijma' and jumhur. Okay, don't confuse the two. Ijma' means everyone agrees. There's no differences here. Everyone is. Are we all together? The types of ijma' is two. There's a sarih. Sarih means I ask you what's your view? 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 I ask every single body in this room what's their view, and they all say the same thing. This is direct. Everybody says their view. Sarih means what? Directly. Everybody he utters, he announces his view. This is direct. Are we all together? Does that make sense? This is hard lacking to get everybody's view. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Everybody. There's another type which is sukuti. Which is also called Ghayru Sarih. It's not direct. Akhuna Ilyas says says something in the room. And when he says something, he, for example, says, this is what it is. And I look at the rest of you and no one speaks. No one objects. Everyone else is quiet. Can I say you all agree with him? Are you with me, brothers? It's the second type of ijma'. This one is disputed greatly. Whether it's a what? 
whether it's a proof. So one Sahabi says something in a particular land, in a particular place, but we have no one objecting, no one saying, I differ with you. Silence. Everyone's quiet. This one is a dispute. Okay, Ijma' Sukuti. There's a khilaf. Are we all together, brothers? Am I making sense? This one, the dispute of whether it's a proof or not, is when it is taking place at one particular timing. But if it carries on, and the next decade, the next century comes, the next hundred years come, and then the next hundred years come, and no one is saying anything. This is called what? Tatawul zaman. So Ilyas said it. No one objected. Ilyas passed away. All of us here died. Next generation came. No one's still speaking against what Ilyas said. It's been mentioned in books. It's spreading. No one's objecting. And then the next... And then... Now they said this is a hujjah now. And there's a consensus. This, is a cons this consensus is correct. Does that make sense now? Now they don't differ. Are we all together, brothers? They only differed at that moment when the ijma' comes or he says something and no one objects. They say at that moment, it's not a proof yet. Are we together? Because we need to verify if the rest heard. They may not have heard it. It may have not reached them. But if he said it and then it gets documented in the books and then that time finishes and then the next generation come and then the next generation come and no one is speaking about his statement in objection to it no one is objecting now this becomes what it becomes a proof we'll say the ummah united on the statement of who one Ilyas is it on this issue now are we all together brothers I also want you to remember something <coughs> which is this term ijma' some scholars they used it loosely okay some scholars they might say this is a mas'ala which is ijma' they might say that and then you find there's a khilaf so just because you read somewhere this mas'ala is unanimously agreed upon don't always think it is because this scholar in order to say there's a consensus it's hard and to pierce an ijma' is very easy because if somebody says Ilya said this I just need to find one person in this room who goes against him the ijma' is broken is it not? it becomes jumhur and it becomes a majority and a minority. One person, Ahmed, can break the kalam of Ilyas. That's it. There's no ijma' anymore. Does that make sense? So when some scholars, they say consensus, ijma', don't always think this is it. It's ijma'. Look more into it. Okay, brothers. Look what? More into it. Some, another point. Some scholars, when they use the word ijma', they don't mean ijma' what we understand it. They actually meant ijma' as jumhur, majority. Their usage of the word ijma' and jumhur was synonym, like Ibn Jarir al-Tabari. Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, the great mufassir, when he uses the word ijma', he doesn't mean consensus that we understand now. Does that make sense? Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, the great mufassir, who did tafsir of the Quran, his usage of the word ijma' is jumhur, majority. 
Does that make sense? So try to learn the scholars, their usages. Are we all together? It's important. So one more time. The first principle, Al-Qa'idatul Ula, the first principle is, according to the methodology of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, is Anna Masdar Al-Aqidah, the source that we take our Aqidah from. Where do we take our Aqidah from? Huwa Al-Kitab, Wa-Sunnah, Al-Sahihah, Wal-Ijma'ah. Why? All three of these are infallible. They are errorless. Are you with me, brothers? It's infallibility. Al-Kitab is infallible. The Sunnah is infallible. There's no mistakes in the Sunnah, which is Sahih. Are we all together? And Al-Ijma'ah. We just said, لا تجتمع أمتي على ضلالة. If the Ummah unanimously agree upon something, this is infallible. There's no mistake. It's correct. The Prophet said this, alayhi salatu Are you with me, brothers? لكن your aql is not infallible. Are you with me, brothers? Your aql is not fallible. Your aql can do mistakes. Today you say something and tomorrow, oh, subhanAllah, I was wrong. You come back from it, your own self. Are you with me, brothers? Also, aql is based upon induction. Having isti'ab and istiqara of things. Being able to look at everything. Are you with me? Like the man who said, every creature, when it chews, the bottom jaw moves. What moves? Every creature, when it eats, the bottom jaw moves. So when you eat, the top one stays still, and your bottom moves. He said, this is what it is. He, did, he followed up. This is his conclusion. Are you with me, brothers? Then they saw a crocodile or alligator. Are you? What happened? It puts the bottom one on the floor and it whacks it with the top one. True or false? Huh? So this man's tatabu and istiqara is naqis, it's deficient. It just, like in Allah Azza wa Jalla's kitab and the sunnah and the ijma' it, because Allah has told us that it's infallible, it's, it's complete, it's, everything has been seen through it. Are you with me brothers? Does that make sense? Am I making sense? So that's why in your life, whilst you live, inshallah ta'ala, make your source of evidence. Kitabu wa sunnatu sahihati wal ijma'ah. Now we're going to move on to the next qa'ida. Before I move on, before I move on, I want to say this statement of Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah. This principle is very vital. If anybody goes against Ahlul Sunnah in the Masdar, the source which, which they take their Aqeedah from. So if they don't take the Kitab and the Sunnah al-Sahihat and Ijma' as a Masdar, as a source, they leave the fold of Ahlul Sunnah straight away. This is what makes you Ahlul Sunnah. Are you with me, brothers? If a person doesn't take the Kitab, or he doesn't take the Sunnah, or he does not take Ijma' as a source of evidence, he doesn't. Is he considered to be from Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah? Question. Is he considered to be from Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah? No, he's not. Are you with me, brothers? No, he's not. He's not from Ahlul Sunnah. He's considered from the deviated groups. The question here is 
does proof have to be established on him or not? Before we say he's not from Ahlul Sunnah, do we have to establish the proof on him? Do we say, first of all, don't say nothing? We're not going to speak about whether he's from Ahlul Sunnah or not. First of all, let's establish the proof. And then after that, if he rejects, we say he's from Ahlul Bid'ah. Are you with me, brothers? So do we establish the proof against him? And then we give him the title? Or do we give him the title before we even establish the proof on him? Scholars like Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, Qawam al-Sunnah Abu al-Qasim al-Taymiyyah, Abu Qasim Hibatullah al-Lalakaiyyu, Al-Imam Ahmed rahimahullah, and others, they said, La tuqamu alayhi al-Hujjah. Proof is not established on him. Because he hasn't entered Ahl al-Sunnah in the first place. Proof will be established for him to be brought into Ahl al-Sunnah, not to determine whether he's from Ahl al-Sunnah or not. Does that make sense? And that's the strongest view according to Ahl al-Sunnah. Are you with me, brothers? Pay attention to this point. If a person goes against Ahl al-Sunnah in the Kitab and the Sunnah al-Sahihat and Ijma, he says, this is not evidence for me. Logic is where I take my deen from. My aqidah is based upon my rational, my logic, I think, and that's where I take my deen from. Or, khabarul ahad, few in number, narrations. To me, it does aqidah, I don't base it on it. And etc. This person is not considered to be from what? Ahlu sunnah wal jama'ah. That's already agreed upon, right? That he's not from Ahlu sunnah. But is he... Is, is the proof established first and then is he said he's not from Ahlul Sunnah or he's not from Ahlul Sunnah before the proof is established on him? Before he's told. I said four scholars Abu Qasim Hibatullah Al-Lalakai, Qawam Sunnah. Abu Qasim Hibatullah Al-Lalakai, sorry. Qawam Sunnah, Abu Qasim Al-Taymi, Shaykh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, and Imam Ahmad Rahimullah, and also Ibn Qayyim. They mention he is from the deviated groups and he's not considered to be from Ahl Sunnah even before the proof is established on him. But we do convey the message to him to bring him into Ahl Sunnah. We go to him and we tell him, This is wrong, come into the belief of Ahl Sunnah. Does that make sense, brothers? That's vital. Masdarut Talaqi takes you out of the fold of Ahl Sunnah Mubasharatan. This is a fundamental issue. What does he do? It's a fundamental issue. Well, if can listen to the statement of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, the rest I, it's too long for me to quote them. Like, let me quote for you Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah, he says, فَمَنْ قَالَ بِالْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ Anyone who says the kitab, meaning he uses the kitab as his evidences, he uses the kitab as his in source, وَالسُنَّةِ and he uses the sunnah, وَالْإِجْمَاعِ and he uses the consents, what does this say? فَهُوَ مِنْ أَهْلِ السُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ He's from Ahl Sunnah وَالْجَمَاعَةِ This is also the opposite. A person who's saying to you, Akhi, I take kitab, sunnah al-sahih, and ijma' as my deen. You can't say to him, you're not from Ahl Sunnah وَالْجَمَاعَةِ because you don't like my shaykh. Or you don't agree with my shaykh. Does that make sense, brothers? It's vital again, it's another point. This individual has taken the kitab, and he has taken the sunnah to sahiha and he has taken the ijma' and the, as what? As his masdar. This is his evidence. Are you with me, brothers? Mubasharatan, this man has come through into Ahl Sunnah. 
Ibn Taymiyyah say this. فهو من أهل السنة. Are you with me, brothers? Even if he's not in your inner circle, or he's not with your group, or he's not with your jama'ah, or he doesn't retweet your, huh? your statements and your quotes. فهو من أهل السنة. Whether you like it or not. He's from what? وَلِذَلِكَ brothers, wallahi, one thing we have to understand. Shaykh al-Imam Muhammad said something very powerful. He said, إِخْرَاجُ النَّاسِ عَنِ السُنَّةِ شَدِيدٍ Taking a person out of Ahlul Sunnah, he said it's severe. Ahmed saying this, rahimahullah. Ikhrajun nasi. Taking a person out of Ahlul Sunnah and saying he's a mubtadi'. Shadid. It's a severe issue. It's a dangerous issue. That when you are looking into a matter, know the principles of Ahlul Sunnah. And if you don't know, then don't busy yourself with what you don't know. Al-Qa'idatu al-Thaniya, the second qa'ida. We're going to now go into... القاعدة الثانية. We're going to go into القاعدة القاعدة الثانية. The second قاعدة. القاعدة الثانية. أن المرجع. أن المرجع في فهم الكتاب والسنة أن المرجع في فهم الكتاب والسنة هي ما عليه السلف الصالح okay. The second qa'idah is very important We've just spoken about the Where do we take our evidences from? Where do we take our aqidah from? Al-kitabu Wal-sunnah and what? Wal-ijma'ah how do we understand the Quran? How do we understand the Sunnah? And how do we understand the Ijma'ah? How? A person gives us a kalam, a statement of Allah in the Quran. A person gives us a hadith of the Prophet. How do we understand it? Are you with me, brothers? This point is vital. This issue is vital. This point is very important. Reason is because today the concepts that are being pushed that the religion of Islam needs to be reinterpreted. What does it require? It needs to be reinterpreted. We need to revolutionize Islam and look at the text. What's the right way of understanding it? We don't need that. As Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, do we need that? We've already got a way to understand the Quran and the Sunnah, and that is based on whose understanding? It's based upon Ma Alayhi Salafus Salih and Namarja, the reference point in understanding the Kitab and the Sunnah. Understanding the Kitab and the Sunnah is what? 
That which the pious predecessors are upon. We have to. We have to look at the pious predecessors, how they understood this text. So if a person brings you an ayah from the Quran and he says to you, Qalallahu Ta'ala, listen. When he says this is what Allah means, we'll say, wait, wait. Who said this is what Allah means from the Salaf al Salih? That's your golden question. Don't let somebody just throw an ayah at you. Say, who from the Salaf al Salih understood the ayah like this? Who from the Salaf al Salih understood the hadith like this? Are we all together, brothers? Why? The reason is the Salaf al Salih, they have more knowledge in the Arabic language than we do. These were Arab, Aqhah, pure Arabs who understood the language of the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Arabic that has reached us today is diluted, it's changed. As over time, it started to change. That's why grammar was placed. The Arabs, they already knew the language. So they, this language that the messenger is talking, they understand it better than you. Even if you're an Arab, the Arabic that you speak and what they spoke, their one is the elite language, the pure one. Are you with me, brothers? That's the first reason. The issue pertaining to the Arabic language. Number two, they ayanu tanzil. They saw the revelation come down. They saw the surrounding. They saw the Prophet's reaction. These are, these are eyewitnesses. If a car accident happens, who do you listen to? Who, is this, who does the police ask the report from? The eyewitnesses or somebody who comes hours later? Let alone years later or centuries. Who does the police take? The eyewitnesses, those who saw the incident, who saw what happened and saw what took place. Are you with me, brothers? Does that make sense? The Sahabas are eyewitnesses. They saw the Prophet. They knew what was happening, the environment, the situation and everything. So when they inform us, they're talking about what they saw. Are you with me, brothers? Third reason is their heart was better than our hearts. They did not have any hidden agenda. Are you with me, brothers? For us, the person looks at the ayah and says, Subhanallah, this ayah today is not working in my favor. Forget it. And he'll bring another ayah supporting him. And he'll push that forward. The companions, they were sincere creations of Allah. Their hearts was pure. And they had no hidden agenda. So when it came to the text, the kitab and the sunnah, it was based upon what will take them closer to Jannah and the hereafter. How many times did Umar and Abu Bakr and the Sahabas do a mistake and they came back from it? Are you with me? And we find that a person might do a mistake. He knows he did a mistake. But instead of coming back, what does he do? He still carries on in that road. When he doesn't understand to come back. If, you were, if your intention was Allah... And that's what you were doing it in the first place. Then coming back to Allah is not a problem. Sahaba were innocent, they were innocent and they were sincere. 
Are you with me, brothers? So for those three reasons, mainly, that we mentioned, the understanding of these people is great. Not to mention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He praised them. وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ Look, Allah mentioned in this ayah three types of people. Allah says, السَّابِقُونَ Allah says, وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ Ayyah وَالْأَنصَار الْأَنصَار I ask you guys, is any one of you here from the muhajirin? Are you with me, brothers? Is anyone here muhajir? From the muhajirin here? You might have done hijrah from India or the UK, but <laughs> I mean here, muhajirin, the companions who migrated from Mecca, are you from them? No. So we, we've lost this golden opportunity. It wasn't written for us. Ansar, are we from the Ansar? Are we from the Ansar? Allah mentioned a third type of people, tabauhum, and those who follow them. This is where we can come in. tabauhum, Those who follow them. This is our opportunity, brothers. Look what Allah says after that. Allah is pleased with three parties. The Muhajireen and the Ansar and those who follow them. That's the people Allah is pleased with. I think it's Surah At-Tawbah, Ayah 99. It is Surah At-Tawbah, but I think it's Ayah 99 or Ayah 100. Pay attention here now. You can only be from the third party. That's when you get that statement of Allah. Radiyallahu anhum. Allah is pleased with you then. Are you with me, brothers? If you don't get to become the followers of the Ansar and the Muhajirin, which is the Salafus Salih, then you're going to lose out from being those who Allah is pleased with. Okay? So when you understand an ayah, when you understand the hadith, base it on the understanding of the companions of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay. And we're going to now go into the next point, inshallah ta'ala, al-qa'idatu al-thalitha. Qa'idatu al-thalitha is anna usul al-deen. كلها بينها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قد بينها النبي The third qa'idah ahl sunnah wal jama'ah upon is anna usul al-deen the fundamental matters of the religion the foundational issues of our religion qad bayyanaha an-nabiy the prophet clarified it bayanan kafiyan shafiyan the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he clarified everything for us pay attention to his brothers it's not like the religion of the Christians. 
What are the religions? The most fundamental thing of the religion is divinity. Of who? Isa ibn Maryam. That's their usul. It's an asal issue for them. Is Trinity a fundamental issue for the Christians? Yeah. Is it? They can't explain it to you. It's what makes your Christian Trinity true or false? Explain it then. Tell me what it is. They can't explain it. And then how is it that the thing you have to believe in order to become a Christian is not clear? Are you with me, brothers? Does that make sense? Our religion, anything that's fundamental, that you have to know, Islam has clarified that for you. What has not been clarified for you is not a fundamental issue. You don't need to know that. The religion doesn't need you to know that. Are you with me, brothers? Allah says in the Quran, Today I have completed your religion for you. And I have completed my blessing unto you. And I have become pleased with Islam as your what? As religion. Islam as your religion. Islam clarified everything. Everything is clear. Look what the Prophet ﷺ, he said. He said, the Prophet said, I left you on a path. What's this path? That this path has no night. Just day. Clear. Like, day is clear, right? I have left you on a clear path. There's no night. There is no night. Abi Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, لَقَدْ تُوفِيَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ وَمَا طَائِرِ يُقَلِّبُ جَنَاحَيْهَا إِلَّا ذَكَرَ لَنَا مِنْهُ عِلْمًا Allahu Akbar. Abi Dhar, he said, Al-Ghifari, the great companion, he said that the messenger died. وَمَا طَائِرِ And there's no bird in the sky. يُقَلِّبُ جَنَاحَيْهَا That flaps its wing. Except he told us something about it. What is he trying to say here? Look at the Quran and the Sunnah. The Prophet told us so much about the bird. Did he not say to him, لَوْ أَنَّكُمْ تَوَكَّلْتُمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ حَقَّ تَوَكُّلِهِ لَرَزَقَكُمْ كَمَا يَرْزُقُ الطَّيْرِ تَغْمُوا خِمَاسَ مَتَرُوحُ بِطَانٍ If you relied on Allah the way that the bird relies on Allah, it leaves with an empty stomach. It doesn't know where to get its risk from. But the bird goes. The bird goes and it flies, not knowing where it's going to get its food from today. It doesn't know. But it relies on who? Allah. And it comes back for not only food for itself, but food for who? For its children. It's, it has food for it. Well, here, I, can, I want to mention a beneficial point, which is that this concept of having big reliance on Allah. If you look at us today, we went through longer stages, or we've been through stages, sorry, in our lives where we were not in any control of how we live. Allah was controlling it. If you look at when you were in the womb of your mother, who was providing for you? When you came out and you came into this world, who was best feeding you, looking after you and feeding you? You didn't have, you were working. Now that you have become something and you are far from this earth and this tall and this strong, you think you can take control of your affairs alone? No, Allah. This is something you have to ponder over. The affairs are still in Allah's hands. It's in his hand, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who took care of you in the womb of your mother. When you were a sibling, a, when you were sorry, a, a child, a little kid, Allah took care of you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now that you're at this age, 
He's still the one that's going to take care of you. That the provision for the person is in where? Is in the sky. And if you think of the bare minimum, the poet he said, he said, um, he was talking about what can take a person's hunger away. If a person today went and he took a dry bread and he took water and he broke it and he ate the dry bread and he drank water after it, after a period of time, would he, would he be filled up? Yeah, would he be full from it? Yeah? He will be full from it. He will become full from it. The one who eats in huh, a five-star hotel, who expends so much money, both of us are full. At the end of the day, we're both full. Are you with me, brothers? So why am I, why am I too stressed? You ha what you have to understand from this hadith is that Abu Dhar is saying that the Prophet clarified everything for us. There is not, there is not a bird that flaps its wing except the Prophet ﷺ, what did he do? He told us something about it. Salman al-Farisi, the Persian companion, he said, Ahlul Kitab, the people of the scripture, they came to him and they said to him, Your messenger has informed you and he has told you everything. And Salman al-Farisi said, yes. He even told us when we go to the toilet, how to deal with our call of nature. He told us, He told us not to face the Qibla, not to face away from the Qibla. He even told us how many objects that we should use when we're doing our call of nature. If the messenger taught the companions how to use the toilet, will he forget Asluddin? Would he forget the fundamental issues of the religion? I ask you this, brothers. Would he? No. He's told them everything. Everything that they need to know. So our religion did not leave a path that will take you closer. The Prophet ﷺ said in another hadith, ما من نبي بعثه الله إلا كان عليه حقا أن يدل أمته على خير ما يعلمه لهم. Every prophet, it was an obligation on him to convey to his people any good that he knows that will get them closer to Allah and that will take them to Jannah. Every prophet had to tell his people. And Nabi Allah Muhammad did he do that? Did he tell us about every path, every road that can take us to Jannah? Did he tell us? He told us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Idan aqeed ahl sunnah is, when they look at the Qur'an, and when they look at the sunnah, they know that it's salihatun likulli zamanin wa makan. That the religion is good and it befits every situation and every time. Are you with me, brothers? And the reason why some people say, uh, my solution is not in the Qur'an and the sunnah, so I have to go to psychologists and I have to read this and I have to read that, is not because it's not in the Qur'an, wallahi it is. And not because it's not in the sunnah, wallahi it is. It's because our understanding has become so less. And our comprehension is so little that we think it's not there. Are you with me, brothers? The third qa'idah, the third principle is, the fourth one, right? Okay, the fourth one.
Okay, that was the, those three are the three most, we'll stop there inshallah ta'ala, it's those three, bi-idhnillah al-kareem. And now we'll go into, inshallah ta'ala, we'll go into the other subject inshallah ta'ala. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and shaitan and Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, ashadu la ilaha illallah, astaghfiruka atubu Any questions? Tatawul is the man. Should I write for you? Tatawul is the man. Tatawul means the continuation and the carrying on of a time. Tatawul is the man. So some people they say to you, Ijma'ul Sukut is not a hujjah like that. No, it's not a hujjah. If there's no tatawul zaman but if there's a tatawul zaman there is it's a hujja according to the ijma of the ulama okay Fadal. qiyas qiyas in aqidah is no place like in, in fiqh yes okay in fiqh in naam we use qiyas as a source of evidence. Are you with me? Like in it has to meet the qiyas which is accepted in fiqh is not. There's two types of qiyas. Qiyas which is fasid al-i'tibar. We don't give it no consideration. Are you with me? And that's the qiyas of who? Iblis. Iblis, what did he say? Adam is made out of clay. I am made out of fire. Fire is better than clay. So I'm not going to prostrate. This is a qiyas. Like in it's a qiyas fasid al-i'tibar. Are we together, brothers? That's not the type of qiyas we're talking about. We're talking about the qiyas that meet a con- conditions. The first condition is the scholar is the asal, and there's a fara, and there's a illa. Okay? All of this we'll speak about it in more details. For example, alcohol. Okay? We have what? Alcohol. Did the Prophet prohibit alcohol? Naam. So as time went on, new substance was seen. We started to see cocaine, cannabis, and things like that. Okay, the Prophet didn't say that. This is liquid, and this is powder. So the asal here is the khamar that we have. Sah? The asal is the one that the Prophet stated, which is the khamar. The fara is what? The drugs that we have, okay? So we write drugs, okay? Like in what's the reason why the Messenger prohibited the alcohol? What was the illa? What was the reasoning behind it? Huh? Is that it intoxicates, right? Is the intoxication found in the drugs? And then the illa is shared between the two. This qiyas is good. We have an asa, we have a fara, we have an illa, we bring it together, together. We have now followed the correct method. This qiyas is sahih. So now what we say is the fourth thing is hukum. Which is the ruling. The ruling becomes what? Haram for? Drug. Does that make sense, brothers? This is the qiyas. We apply this. And inshallah ta'ala will speak about all of this in usul al-fiqh. Okay, brothers?
Yeah. Okay, good. Very important point. First of all, this concept of dividing the religion into usul and furu. Okay? We're dividing the deen into what? Usul and saying that religion has things that are fundamental and furu, things that are sub branches. Okay? Dividing the religion into usul and furu. They say that the first people who introduced this concept were the Mu'tazila. They were the first people to say that the religion has foundations and the religion has furu'a. If you read Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah's works, if you read Ibn Taymiyyah's works, you realize that he's against the idea of dividing the religion into furu'a and usul. And in other places, he's actually saying usul and furu'a himself, Ibn Taymiyyah. So in some places, he's objecting and he's rejecting and he's refuting the concept of dividing the religion into usul and what? and into furu'ah. And in other places, he himself is saying, this is asal in the deen, and this is furu'ah from the religion. So, after looking at the works of Ibn Taymiyyah, you realize what he's trying to say is the following. Okay, you listening, brothers? What he's against is those people who say, aqeedah, al-aqeedah, is a usul, and al-fiqh is what? Are you with me, brothers? Because within fiqh, there's what? Usul. He hates the idea that you make all of fiqh furu'. Within fiqh, there are issues which are usul, fundamental issues, such as salah, zakah, sawm, and hajj. They are pillars of Islam. And they are not furu'. A person cannot just say, I don't believe in Salah. And we say, oh, it's a fiqh issue, no problem. Can we say that? It's a fundamental issue. Well, what you find in Kutub al-Itiqaad, they brought Tariqus Salah. The one who leaves the Salah, is he a kafir or not? They dragged it into what? Are you with me, brothers? Al-Mas'u al khufain wiping over your socks. Is that a fiqh issue? But why do you find in books of Itiqaad? It's a fundamental issue because this is what the Sunni and the Shia differ on. Are you with me? It became the symbol of Sunnism and Shia, Shia don't believe wiping over your socks. They wipe over their legs. Are you there, brothers? Am I making sense? Jihad, is it a aqidah issue or is it a fiqh issue? It's a fiqh issue. But it's a fundamental issue. Are you with me, brothers? These, a jihad is, is in the books of fiqh. But it's a fundamental issue that got dragged into Aqidah. Are you with me, brothers? So this is what Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah is talking about. And this is the point that he's trying to drive home. Not to say that fiqh is all furu'ah. And because it's furu'ah, there can be difference of opinion regarding it. No. There are three issues in fiqh that don't tolerate and don't accept difference of opinion. Does that make sense? Even though they are fiqh. Does that make sense? Now here is those issues that some of the scholars like Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah, he put under aqidah as furu'ah. Like, did the Prophet see Allah in this world? This issue the companions differed on. So they differed in a far'i issue, sahabas. Not in the fundamental issues of aqidah. Are you with me brothers? Okay. وَهَلْ يُعَذَّبُ الرَّجُلِ mar بِبُكَاءِ If your family cry for you, Will you be punished in your grave? Aisha rejected this. 
Anyways, the scholars, they try to reconcile between the speech of Aisha but you find those issues. Did the messenger see it? So even though it's an aqidah related issue, but it's a far'ah. They never differed on the asal, which is, will Allah be seen or not? That's a fundamental issue. Are you with me, brothers? Am I making sense? So don't say the Sahabas differed in what? Aqidah, that's wrong. Because when you say the Sahabas differed in Aqidah, the overwhelming majority of issues of Aqidah are what? Usul. Never say that the Sahabas differed in Aqidah. Rather, what you say is the Sahabas differed in a mas'ala min masail al-furu'. Are you with me, brothers? Because that statement of saying that the Sahabas differed in Aqidah is a kalam which is muhim. It gives waham to the people that you can differ in Aqidah. Are you with me? Does that make sense? And Shaykh al-Islam ibn Uthaymeen and others, Shaykh Salah al-Fawzan and others, they point that out. They, that one should not say that. Does that make sense? Fadal. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. If the person takes the Quran and the Sunnah and he the Quran and he takes the Sunnah and then after that he differs on what they meant here and what were they saying, this mas'ala does not take the person out of the false of Ahl Sunnah. As long as he's taking Al Quran was Sunnah, Al Sahihah and Ijma' and that which the Salaf were understanding as the text, then if the conclusion goes against what the Salaf said, then of course it's going against the Salaf. If he's contradicting what the Salaf said, an application and that, he's applying it different to how they applied it, then Naam, he's wrong. If he misunderstood it, then proof will be established against him. Okay? You see, I, dif- I distinguished between the issue of Al-Kitab wa Sunnah wal Ijma'ah, I put it on one issue, and the Bifahmi Salaf al-Salih, I put it under another Qa'idah, Sahih? Ah, the first one I said, the person leaves the fold of Ahl Sunnah straight away. Like, if he Salaf al-Salih is another issue. Okay? It's another discussion. No. Uh, anyone uh, who takes another person out of the, uh, out of the realm of Ahl Sunnah because they differ with his sheikh, is this person, an, uh, is this person out of Ahl Sunnah or is he a person of the same? No, he's not from, uh, he doesn't leave Ahl Sunnah because he's saying Al-Kitab al-Sunnah. Al-Sahih and Ijma'a, he himself is saying that, so you can't take him out. Lakin, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, anyone who does nasbul wala'i wal-bara, love, allegiance, and hate based on an individual, or the statement of an individual, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said, this person becomes a hizbi. This is what a hizb is, right? What's a hizb? What's a hizb? Now, what does it mean? Hizb means... Partinism, right? This is what, even if this person keeps saying, I'm fighting against Hizbiyah, ha, it still doesn't take it away from him that he's a Hizb now. Why? Because the only individual whose statement we base love and hate on is the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's the only human that we do that. Everybody else, his kalam cannot be, ba- ma- ba- cannot be based on what? Al-Wala'i? Wal-Bara. Walidharika, brothers. Imams who were from the Aimatul Sunnah. Some of other Aimatul Sunnah did not like them. Do you know anyone greater than Imam al Bukhari as Imam Ahl Sunnah? Who is Bukhari? Who is Imam Bukhari? 
You see, the fact that your silence means that when you ask us about Bukhari, Bukhari, he himself at his time, there were people who didn't like him. Like who? Al-Imam Al-Duhali, rahimahullah. He did not like him. Al-Duhali is an Imam in Aymat al-Sunnah and Bukhari is an Imam in Aymat al-Sunnah. And no one said, Al-Duhali, you don't like Bukhari? That means you don't like the Sunnah. Are you with me, brothers? Al-Imam al-Shafi'i, his title was Nasr al-Sunnah. That was his title he was given. Yahya, Yahya ibn Ma'in did not like Shafi'i. He refuted him. Or he spoke against him. Yahya ibn Ma'in is with who? Ahmed ibn Hanbal. Ahmed, when he was told that Yahya ibn Ma'in is speaking against an Imam Shafi'i, he said he doesn't know who Shafi'i is. I know him. But then, Ahmed is still with Yahya ibn Ma'in, and they're still together. And no one said, you're defending a person who I spoke against. Are you with me, brothers? This is a mis'ala that requires... If you look at two scholars, go to the tarjama of Muhammad Nasr al-Marwazi in Seer Alam al-Nubala. Al-Imam al-Zahabi brings it in his Seer. Uh, Muhammad Nasr al-Marwazi, he argued with Ibn Manda. They were both going at each other. Okay, because they're contemporaries. Each person was correcting the other person. And look what he said. This is who? Al-Imam al-Zahabi. He said, if we take down Muhammad Nasr al-Marwazi, and we take down Ibn Manda, because of what they said against each other, what will remain for us in terms of the religion? How many knowledge did Muhammad Nasr al-Marwazi transmit to us? And how much knowledge did Ibn Manda transmit to us? Should we take them both down? Their whole knowledge, a lot of portion of knowledge is going to go. Because both of them, what they had against each other, has nothing to do with qala Allah and qala Rasul. It's personal issues. Scholars then made a qa'ida which is kalamul akrani yutwa wala yurwa. The statements of contemporaries, they are tossed over the shoulder, they're not given no weight. As long as the differences is based upon what? Personal issues. Okay? Scholars never gave it that much weight. And wallahi, one thing I'll tell you this. Even that the, all of those scholars fought, every, through history, there was always tanafus. There was people going at each other, righteous people. Wallahi, I never read in history students getting involved. Underline that point. Historically, this issue of scholars refuting each other was always present. Lakin never, at the time of the ulama al-jahabidat al-nuqad, never do you see the students getting involved and speaking. People, I don't even think, can they be given the title of being called students? But let's use a loose term and say they are students of knowledge. Okay? getting involved and speaking about these issues that are greater than them. It's a barar. And the harm that comes from it, only Allah knows subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. We take both, ahad and mutawatir. No, it does not. It does not affect the authenticity of the hadith. If a hadith is mutawatir or ahad, we will take in our aqidah, and it does not affect authenticity. Authenticity and whether a hadith is sahih and mutawatir and ahad are two different things. Okay, scholars only look at five things when it comes to authenticity. Okay, five things. We will speak about that when we speak about the introduction of hadith, inshallah ta'ala. Okay. Not whether it's mutawatir or ahad. Mutawatir and ahad, 
are authentic. Okay, they are accepted. Fadal. If the, the Jumhur is majority, okay, the majority can be right and it can be wrong, okay? Okay, it can be right or it could be, it could be wrong. Like in Ijma', which means everybody agreed. There's no difference here. This is a, a proof. Are you with me, brothers? It's a what? It's a proof. But if it's Jumhur majority, we still look into it. We might agree with the Jumhur, or we might even differ with them, because we might say the Dalil is not on their side. Okay? The majority of the scholars said this. That's what it means. Yes, that's what it means. Okay? We're going to now start the Ulum al-Qur'an, inshaAllah ta'ala. <laughs>